Hey everybody, this is Bill Finicaro. I'm on the Process Podcast with Michael Outlaw from Outlaw Drums. Welcome, everybody, to the Outlaw Process Podcast Show. This sample that you're listening to right now is, is a song that was done by using the Spalded Maple snare drum sample. And my goal is always to want to educate, motivate, and to inspire you to do those things that you want to do, to focus and to go after those goals that are even maybe they're too far-fetched. You're like, man, that's not going to work. There's no possible way you can do that. I want to say you can. You know, drummers that are going after this thing with every single thing they've got with the intensity that they're not going to quit. They're not going to give up just because, you know, this didn't work out or that didn't work out. They're going to truly going after this thing. And I'm inspired by that. Bill Finicaro <clears throat> is on stage today and he is going to tell us about his story and about his on his life, what he's got going on right now. Um, he's a phenomenal guy, a fantastic drummer. Bill Finicaro. What's going on, man? How's it going, brother? Good, man. How you doing? Doing good, man. Doing good. Um, taking time out of your busy schedule, man, to be on the show. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, man. Um, I just checked out um, one of your videos. Oh, my gosh, dude. This thing is killing it. Um, Thank you. Over 30,000 views on YouTube. Man, um, dude, straight rocking. People are loving this, man. You got to tell me more. But first, um, I want you to introduce yourself to the audience and just kind of, um, you know, tell everybody your story. And um, and we'll just kind of start from there, man. Like, because I know you, man, As I, I know you're for real deal going after this thing, man, with everything you got. And I feel like that's what you got to do, and that's the people I want to talk to. Yeah, thanks. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I uh, started playing drums at a young age. I was like six, seven years old, got my first drum set. It was like an old set of, uh, like, the English Premier drums. And, uh, yeah, got some lessons. I grew up in Falkroft, Pennsylvania, and uh, there was a music store called Top Ten Music and uh, studied under a guy named Mike Merlino. Uh, he was a UArts graduate, and uh, his theory was just incredible, just being able to write. Uh, you know, understand music theory and just how to like, you know, notate drums. And um, at the time I was really big into the band Rush. That was like the first band that really got me into drums, just, you know, watching Neil and um, just how articulate he was, like incorporating rudiments. And uh, I saw a Snakes and Arrows tour uh, in 2006. Um, and that was just like the moment, you know, I knew I wanted to play drums on stage and, and take it, you know, seriously. And it's not just a hobby. Uh, kind of shift towards the focus of possibly making it a career someday. And uh, ever since then, just playing in bands, local music scene in high school. There was a venue called Skater's Choice in uh, Seoul, New Jersey. And uh, there was this guy, Brad, that would book shows every Friday, Saturday night. And it would be a packed house. He would do these little uh, events called Brad Boozle. There'd be almost a thousand people, you know, some years. And uh, just grew in the music scene. Um, definitely came more from like a, a metal background. And uh, played in a couple metalcore bands over the years, and uh, transferred over to to Huxley to rock, you know. And uh, coincidentally, 
uh, I opened up for Huxley for their first show uh, back in 2020. They played this place called the Anchor Rock Club uh, in Atlantic City. And the band I was playing in at the time, like, you know, we opened up and, you know, got to talking to them. I knew a couple of them from the music scene growing up, and uh, they were making some changes. They asked me to come on board, and I tried out, and we've just been writing through a pandemic, which has been interesting because, you know, you're so used to as a musician going out and playing shows, and every weekend you're out and about making friends, and uh, it was like 500 days without shows. Um, so then, you know, fast forward. Uh, we just played Music Fest in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. That was back in August, and that was the first show back. And it was a really nice turnout. It was outside, thousands of people just you know, wandering different stages. And uh, we just played Milk Boy in Philly on the 14th. And uh, now we're playing the MMRBQ, and that's exciting. I'll be in May. Man, that is that is insane. Uh, because I de- totally didn't think that um, you played you played like that. I mean, this this is amazing. We knew each other for a few years, and absolutely, I, I made you a snare drum. Like that's how we met, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I have two of them. I have the uh, the first snare I have from you guys was uh, the Purple Heart and Cedar, and then I have the Douglas Fir and the Maple. Mm, yeah. Okay. But I remember it was just crazy at that time, man. Oh, my gosh. That, that's, but I got to looking at your stuff, and, man, so tell me. So so y'all do a lot of practicing. Uh, do y'all do a lot of, like, gigging out right now, or do you more, mainly just practice kind of, like, um, in one particular place, kind of individual? Uh, so COVID made it interesting. Uh, so in the very beginning, we weren't practicing together. It was just from home, um, file sharing on the laptops, writing music. Uh, came together for a little while. Uh, and then from there, uh, decided to kind of, you know, practice from home, file share again, uh, collaborate, write. And, uh, the single you were talking about earlier, the, uh, YouTube video, music video we have, uh, that song, Hate Me, uh, Doug, our vocalist, uh, Mike, uh, one of the guitars, and then Chris, the other guitar player, uh, they flew out to Vegas and, uh, co-wrote that song with Kane Churko. And, uh, you know, he writes like the five finger death punch mm-hmm. and, Papa Roach and yeah. some of these bigger bands in the industry that you you, know, you grew up listening to. Uh, so to work with somebody like that was incredible. And uh, you know now it's just kind of more so on the writing kick of things, just trying to write more material. Um, played that Music Fest show, played Milk Boy. We have the MMRBQ coming up May 21st, uh, the BB&T Pavilion uh, in Camden, New Jersey. But mm-hmm. up until that, we don't have anything uh, just yet. But uh, yeah, definitely going to try to fill up some dates. Yeah, man, I, I could definitely, man, you're, you guys, oh my gosh, y'all straight rock, man. That's, um, was very entertaining. Like, so tell me about that music video, man. Oh my, where, where'd y'all film that at? Uh, so that was at a church, uh, that was right outside of Scranton, Pennsylvania. Uh, so we were like, you know, making office jokes, like we're big fans of the show, The Office, and uh, we're out there. And <laughs> my wife loves church. this show. If she watches it right now, it's on. It's on the the reloop right now. So that's kind of the the show that's going on in the background. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And uh, so we're out like towards like Scranton, and it was it's this church that's owned by uh, I believe he was the former keyboard player of the band Motionless and White. Uh, his name's escaping me at the moment, but. Uh, he owns the place and just rents it out for music videos, and it's a really cool location. And uh, our videographer Cyrus, he just did a great job. It, it looks great. We had fun. We got there. Uh, gosh, it was like four o'clock in the afternoon. Got all set up, and uh, didn't start actually filming the music video until about nine thirty when it was dark out. 
so but it was a good time it was a lot of fun it was the first time working with fire you know which is pretty cool pyrotechnics yeah man that's definitely really cool so did y'all play like did you when you when you played did you play like to a track or was that the actual sound that y'all got live so uh Every time we write a song, we break down the song into stems, and then we use those to practice to with the with the metronome with a click. Oh my and, god, uh, I love there. that! Yeah, it, it's a great rehearsal tool because that way you can control your own independent mix, mm -hmm. and uh, it really helps for for live purposes because uh, you know playing with in ear monitors, you have an independent uh, monitor mix that you can use right from your phone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it just kind of gives you that practice ahead of time, and uh, you know we use that to just make sure everything lined up, everything was tight, and. Uh, just ran through the song a couple times. It was a lot of fun. Oh my gosh, that's uh, yeah, that's really cool, man. Cause I've been kind of messing around with like recording and kind of breaking down stems of tracks and stuff like that, like putting, getting backbeats to play to, and so I can on the drums, you know. So I'm playing, you know, to a specific, uh, you know, beat for two minutes straight, you know, trying to keep it straight and solid and right there in line with some of the stuff that we've recorded, you know, and it's, it's really, it'll, it'll keep you tight, man. It'll keep you tight. Oh, absolutely. Click's never wrong, you know, and that was the most frustrating part, you know, learning to play to one. Uh, you know, you're rushing, you're dragging. Yeah. And, Especially if you're you know, a drummer that plays with a lot of emotion, you know, it's kind of, it's easy to kind of speed up or slow down, you know, it's, especially people are real excited about playing drums or really have a hard time staying in time. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Benny Greb, uh, you know, big drumming uh, inspiration of mine and uh, he's got all these DVDs out with the language of drumming and I used to watch them all the time I used to work at Sam Ash Music in the drum shop and I'd have them playing on all the time but uh, something he said in a podcast recently I was listening to I think it was uh, Drummer's Resource Podcast um, he was just saying like drummers tend to when you play you know, you're locking into a groove and then the fill's coming up and it's like this big moment you're about to do this monster fill or you know really like charge through the song and you tend to hold your breath as you go to work through the, you know, the fill. Mm. And as soon as you come back to the next measure, you know, your, your brain, you're, you're like a panic mode because you're trying to get back on the one. And uh, sometimes you can find yourself off time. And uh, I definitely realized um, I was definitely somebody that did that, like growing up and didn't even realize it. And uh, it's cool to find different subtle things to, to get more comfortable playing to a click and, just to grow as a player, listen to different genres of music for inspiration. Yeah, that'll definitely get you in bands. Well, I get you in bands that are actually good, like you guys are. I mean, your guy. I mean, y'all are like, yeah, you got to be a good drummer to play in that band for sure. Appreciate um, that. Thank you. I have a lot of fun. That's 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 the name of the game. I mean, that's why we do what we do. Um, just because you have to have fun doing it and collaborate with different musicians. And um, honestly, that's that's always been my biggest thing. Is I really enjoy songwriting and. Uh, getting into the studio together yeah. and, and just feeling the room and um, you know it's push pull and uh, I, I definitely was guilty as I was younger of uh, being adamant about like these big fills or you know trying to make it about me and not the song and the band and mm -hmm. uh, it, it's nice to get into that uh, mindset now later in life because that's kind of hard to do especially when you're playing you know a real a real upbeat kind of a metal type music it really is kind of hard to do right yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, there's there's moments you want to do like big fills. I mean, coming from like a metalcore background, yes. Uh, there's all those complex, you know, breakdown patterns like the scattered sixteenth notes, thirty second notes, and um, moments to do all these these crazy fills. And, and now with Huxley, it's it's more like a rock band, you know, like a radio rock kind of band. And 
um, just to kind of pull back a little bit, let things breathe. I mean, there's a reason why the Beatles are one of the most successful bands of all time. I mean, four chords and, you know, solid rhythm track behind it and nice melodies and you got yourself a song, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. Kind of not overcomplicating it, just kind of keeping it, keeping about feel and about passion, right? Absolutely. Yeah, man. So, and I noticed one thing too, man. I noticed about you. I noticed how really nice and like professional your pictures look of, of of your drums, like your setup. Like even like you'll take a picture of your drums in your drum room, and it's just like boom. I mean, it looks so inviting, you know. And that right there is, I think that's that's really important, man. I think that's you know a lot of people are taking you know they don't take this serious and you got to take it serious if you're going to get the gigs and get into the shows and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's definitely the professionalism behind it, but at the same time, I mean, the most important thing is to just be a good hang, you know, just to, to be a friend, uh, positive attitude, uh, accept criticism. Uh, everybody wants the same thing. Everybody wants to write a good song and have fun and, you know, get out there and play gigs, meet people. And, um, yeah, you just you have to be a good hang at the end of the day, and, and everything else comes in time. You know, as far as you know, finding a rehearsal space and um, you know, practicing and, and and collaborating, and it all comes in time. But at the end of the day, if if you're not a pleasure to work with, you're not going to get many gigs. I mean, there's been you know a lot of times where there's been drummers that are far better than me from a technicality standpoint, but just because the energy in the room and uh, being able to work with other people, uh, that becomes, you know, almost more important than just the techniques. Yeah. So do you have a bunch, you have drummer buddies like that you hang out with and that you kind of like kind of nerd out with about gear and stuff like that? And uh, Definitely like in the, in the high school, early college days, uh, really just grinding the music scene, being out every Friday, Saturday, Sunday night, you know, when you're not in school or working and, um, yeah, as you get older, like everyone starts like getting married, having families, traveling, and uh, we don't get together as much as we used to. But oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, there's early years we'd get together in a in a practice space and rent out like a like a practice room and get three four drummers together and you know, have a couple drinks and just trade fours and uh, learn from one another and um, even at shows like yeah. they go to these shows. Uh, drum hangs, very- man. God, I want drum hangs again. I want. I want to. I want to do some drum hangs. God, that was so much fun. No, big time. And like just going to shows and like and being present for all the bands. You know that was always a big thing in the music scene. And I'm I'm sure it's you know everywhere, not just the Philly Jersey scene. But uh, you know you go to all these gigs and you show up early and you're there and all these bands are playing and you're either at your van or you're out smoking or. You're just not engaged to just watch these bands and learn something. I mean, I can't tell you how many things I've learned from just watching drummers do what they do and, and asking them after the set, like, you know, that was really cool. Third song in, you did this really cool fill. Yeah. You know, what was go- what was going on? You know, do you mind kind of sharing me, you know, sharing with me some of the tools in the in the tool belt, you know, to, to evolve as a player myself? You know, you have to appreciate what other people are doing. You can't just be focused on what you're doing. Yeah. Because I think that's so important, man, when a drummer comes up to you and it's like, dude, that was so awesome. That drum feel was killer. It was right there on it. I don't know what it does, but for people that play the drums and somebody gives a compliment like that, it just like, those are the compliments that you remember for life. And you're like, oh my God, that just set me back. And, and I think about that time all the time and just kind of, you know, it's different compliments you get from other people. Like, that, even that you respect, you know, it's like when you get a compliment from somebody you respect, it's like, It'll set you back. It should set you back, you know. I know it does. Yeah, absolutely. I oh. mean, yeah, we're, we are our own worst critic. 
and you know sometimes we just get too hard on ourselves and you know we'll, we'll play a fill and it ended a little sour or mm-hmm. you had a little flub up on stage and you know drumstick got away from you and uh, sometimes you can start to zone in on some of those things um, and it, it can ruin your whole performance, you know, and uh, to have somebody come up at the end of the night and, and say you really drove the band or, you know, that fill was cool and it, it definitely boosts your confidence and um, you appreciate it. You know, you appreciate um, acknowledgement for the work that you put in. I mean, you know, we all invest hours into what we do, uh, you know, thousands of hours. So yeah. it, it's, it's nice. Yeah, man. So tell me something. So tell me about your practice habits. Like, what are some of the things that you um, have been doing uh, that you do on a regular basis? Do you practice every day, once a week, or or anything like that? So uh, I definitely got away from practicing for a little while, uh, which definitely isn't, isn't good. But uh, as I started getting you know, back into the swing, had you know the Huxley show coming up at Milk Boy, uh, I started getting back into the groove about a month out from the gig and. I'll set up a practice pad for like a bass drum, uh, like a snare drum on a snare stand practice pad, and just just work my legs, my feet, and practice to a metronome, uh, quarter notes, eighth notes, sixteenth notes, thirty second notes uh, to the metronome. Boom! Thirty second notes. notes. Oh my god. A little bit, a little bit. Nothing too crazy. I'm Woo. definitely not as, as fast as I used to be in, in the. That's good, man. Metronome. That's good. <laughs> but uh, and I'm not playing that genre of music anymore. But there was a time. But uh, <laughs> yeah, just. Yeah, you work through all your different, you know, groupings and, and rudiments. You have paradiddle variants and mm-hmm. paradiddle diddles and, uh, you know, endurance training. Um, sometimes I'll just sit there with, like, one hand and work eighth notes, sixteenth notes out as I'm watching television and uh, trade hands, and it, it really helps. So when you go into the, you know, the drum room or, you know, where you practice your garage, you know, in my case, you know, a little room I have, um, you know, you're warmed up, you're loosened up, and then from there, uh, you run through the material for Huxley and, then just listen to different drumless tracks. Uh, there's plenty on YouTube that are free to listen to. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that are uh, making like different tracks you can purchase mm-hmm. uh, on, diff- on different um, you know, websites. And uh, you know, just kind of just explore different vibes. And uh, lately I've been trying to get out of my comfort zone. Uh, I'm definitely more of a rock-based drummer, but uh, just to appreciate blues and jazz and uh, just different genres. Yeah, man. You think a little differently. Um, yeah. And, and, it, and it humbles you out, you know, because you get... You get big into your own um, routines that you find yourself in. You get very proficient in uh, this this small little arsenal of tools that you have in the toolkit. And uh, to take a step back and just dive into a genre that you haven't experienced in quite some time, it, it, it humbles you out and keeps you grounded and uh, eager to learn. And, yes. and remember, that is it, so it important, man. Time. Gosh, that's so important, man. You just change the switch. You just do something different. You just change it up, flip it, you know, and it, it makes you have to kind of readapt to a different situation, which actually makes you better, and then kind of come back to home base, you know, and then leave home base, you know. I, I, I'm a big believer of just kind of kind of push, getting pushed out of a comfort zone and doing something totally different. Like, you know, I, I almost refuse to listen to the same type of style of music. Like, I listen to so many different types. I mean, right now, I know I'm in like a an arm. I'm like in a, in a in a real rap stage right now. I'm listening to a lot of nice. Eminem, <laughs> but last week I was just listening to a lot of, um, you know, a lot of blues and stuff like that. So, you know, and I'm finding out that really, you know, because I've been really practicing, like my new hobby is kind of practicing, learning how to um, write music, like doing a lot of music and scales and stuff like that, putting stuff together. Like I play guitar and sings, but I really want to start thinking about how chords actually interact and putting all that stuff together, you know, so it's, 
I don't know, because I've been hearing different tones of drums and stuff like that, and it's kind of led into just an obsession with uh, basically working with GarageBand on my Mac. Yeah, and yeah, absolutely. Dude, I'm just doing so much fun stuff right there with, like, the synths and just, like, practicing making trap beats and then, like, doing these trap beats and then, like, go try to drum to a trap beat, son. Oh, my God, that has some super <laughs> fast hi-hat action. That mess will, like, wear you out, you know. Um yeah, absolutely. <laughs> to, to, to talk about uh, recording and finding different tones, uh, a big thing in the industry as far as recording right now, uh, especially with uh, with drums, is, is samples, um, where there's a lot of vendors out there right now that are recording drum samples and then compressing them and um, putting them out there for people to purchase and put into their own sessions. And from there, they can add reverb and different uh you know, pref uh, preferences, you know, to the drums, the profiles, but uh, just these beautiful raw tones of every different size of drum, uh, eight inch rack tom all the way to a 20 inch gong tom, uh, kick drums as small as 16 inches, all the way up to big 26 cannons with the John Bonham drums. And uh, there's a lot of musicians that are writing from home, especially in the height of like the pandemic and everything in the last couple of years. Uh, to where that file sharing and, and being able to find these different sound profiles online is it's become great. I mean, a lot of people are putting high quality productions out from the comfort of their own home. It's amazing how far we've come. Yeah, it is. So let me ask you a question, man. A lot of people have a hard time, I feel like, staying motivated on the drums and giving up. Like, there's a lot of people that I've noticed that's just like, they just quit playing, man. They quit when their band breaks up. They're just like, screw it. I'm done. I'm going to just, you know, why? Why in the world, man? Yeah, it's it's... It's tough because a lot of people, I mean, myself included, I mean, there's been moments in time where you become complacent and, you know, you found the things that you're good at. And sometimes you you, you don't want to step out of the comfort zone and, and try different things and experiences. And um, you just have to try to create that uh, that sense of love in the drums in the first place. That's yeah. why you gravitated to that instrument from the beginning. And, uh, and even if you're not playing live, even if you're not in a band. I think they play, give up because you know, people, like, they don't want to try different stuff behind the kit and they get bored with it. Because I feel like if you're trying sure. something new on the drums and learning different new ways to do stuff, it's going to be a big circle that's going to come back around again, you know. Because sometimes you need a break from a, the normal. Like you said, you need to mix it up some. And they don't mix it up and they're just like, eh, I'm just, I'd rather do this, you know. And just, but some people may not be cut out for drums. Some people are just like, you know, I feel like, True drummers are born. Like, you know when you're a drummer, man. You know it. It's like you can't stop tapping on things. Every time you hear something, you're putting a, you're putting a beat to every single little thing that you got you, that you hear. No, I think that's, that's how you know you're a drummer. Yeah, it's wired in our DNA. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, we're, we're a very interesting group of musicians in the community. I mean, um, everyone that I've met, you know, you know drummer-wise, like most people are so grounded and just, hungry to learn and, and just appreciate what other people are doing. And, uh, with this like new, you know, era of social media with drumming, like, uh, Instagram reels, you know, 60 second clips of all these different drummers from gospel backgrounds and metal and country. And, uh, there's just so much material out there at your fingertips to just dive in, just look up some hashtags on your phone on an Instagram dive. And, um, just get inspired you know, follow some of these people i mean that's always been my biggest yeah. thing lately is just my my instagram is flooded with drummers so i'll just be scrolling at work you know some downtime and you, know, you just see some sweet gospel chop and then all, now all of a sudden you follow them and 
um, you know, you're just, you're learning things, tools in the toolkit, you know, and, uh, you just want to do those things. It gives you the itch to just go home and, and practice for an hour or two when you got some downtime and try to go back on some of them reels that you saved on your phone earlier that day. And, and what are you doing? And I mean, a lot of these guys, they're the notations right there for you. They do a fast, medium, slow version of it. So you can just listen to it over and over again and, and eventually nail it. And, uh, it's just inspiring. You know, you just, you have to find a way to, to keep that love going and, and that fire going. Yeah, man, that's kind of what I feel. Too. It's, it's definitely, um, one of these deals where it's, uh, you know, it, it makes you feel amazing you, if you if you stick to it, man. Sticking to something always kind of makes you feel, um, you know, very crazy. So going back to like some drumming techniques, all right. So, you know, what technique did you say that really helped you the best as far as playing the drums that you developed? Like, is it like your hands, like really working? like the speed of your hands or more on the lines, would it be like your feet? Uh, I mean, just, just looking at what other drummers were doing to, to achieve certain things. Uh, a lot of like the, the metal drummers, they would uh, use what's called like a French grip technique uh, as opposed to the standard German uh, grip technique. And uh, it, it's really, it works more of your fingers per se than like your wrists. And uh, there's ways that you can acquire speed uh, without causing any kind of damage i mean even like a professional like neil Peart. i mean he was my first drumming inspiration ever i mean he had to relearn how to play drums essentially uh studying with i think it was freddie gruber if i'm not mistaken wow. uh, from like a jazz background and because he was getting like all kinds of pain in his his forearms and his wrists because he was playing through the drum instead of it being like a circular motion uh -huh. and, and learning to let the drumstick do a lot of this work for you uh, and, and that's very important. I mean, you get real excited. You want to drive the backbeat home and you're gripping on the drumstick so tight. By the time you hit the rim of the drum, it's sending a shock up your forearm. And uh, you can only do that for so long. So you have to find um, different things that, that make it easier for you. Um, you know, and you can try to conform to some of the more professional um, ways to, to go about playing and, and, and traditional grip and all these different things. But ultimately, cater it to, to you. What, what feels comfortable for you? And um, even like trained drummers, I guess you could say, if you want to call that trained, like to get lessons and learn how to understand music theory and notation. Um, I can't tell you how many times there's been drummers that never got a single drum lesson in their life. They just love it. They've stuck to it. They've, you know, watched things and learned and grow, you know, grew and played and they'll do something incredible that I've just never seen before a certain way that they'll, um, you know, cross their hands or. Uh, travel around the drum set mm -hmm. to hit certain drums and you know, how do you do that like, how does your brain work because you become accustomed to how you're trained and your habits and uh, to try to break out of those sometimes it's it's liberating yeah I, I think so too so do you think that drummers have a hard time with staying um with like patience um you know because sometimes they tend to you know they can't get it to do something they want to do, so they'll just kind of like, ah, I'm not going to practice it. I'm just going to be done with it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you see something impressive that's that's done full speed, whether it's, you know, 120 beats a minute, a little faster, and you see this crazy fill, this crazy groove, and, you know, you, you hear it, and sometimes, you know, I'll even catch myself saying, oh, that sounds simple enough, and then you sit behind the drum set, and you realize it's it's pretty difficult. And uh, you, obviously you want to do it full speed, but you have to crawl before you can walk. Um, so just to have that in the back of your mind of, you know, you'll eventually get it full speed, but what's the point of speed 
uh, if everything's not you know, concise and, and correct and accurate when you're hitting it, um, slow it down. You know, take that metronome, cut it in half, and, and just work your way up, and then eventually it'll come. And uh, I'm guilty of it myself. I get frustrated all the time. You know, I'll see something cool on Instagram, and I'll try to duplicate it, and uh, it'll take me some time you know, to, to break that down. And sometimes I might never get something, but um, you can't fall you can't fall in that mindset of uh, – you know, I can't figure that out. So, you know, I'm just not going to practice or I'm not going to do this. Just find something else. I mean, go back to it, revisit it. But um, just find things that inspire you uh, more so than frustrate you. And I think that speaks volumes to, yeah. to grow as a player. Yeah. Yep. I think so, too. I think so, too. I have a hard time with that sometimes. I really do. Um, yeah, we all do. It's, um, so what is um what are some of them th- some things that you, like you've personally had to overcome that you know made you a better drummer? Because a lot of thing a lot of times people think like when bad things happen. Hang on one second, kids. I'm doing a podcast right now. Please. <laughs> sorry, they uh they come in running like crazy and uh, no, you're fine. yeah. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, what was I saying? Oh my gosh. Um. You're just saying I think I believe like obstacles as far as um, yes. Yeah, so what's so what's some of the journey. things that you've overcome? You know that's like that's helped because a lot of people think that you know bad things will actually you know oh my god but bad things can is the things that actually shape you to to find more good things right? So yeah, absolutely. What's um, what's something that was, you've overcome? Yeah, I would say uh, as far as like starting as early as the years of being in high school bands and collaborating with different bands and uh, you know. There's always going to be in the early stages of your, your music journey, whether, you know, whatever instrument you're playing, you start collaborating with people and um, your priorities change and, and your tastes change. And that's OK. And, um, you know, bands break up and sometimes there's somebody that's just not committed and there's no hard feelings. You just have to keep it moving. And um, you want to experience different genres and, and, and meet with different musicians and grow as a player and, and develop that chemistry, you know, when writing, um, you know, and um let me see. Uh, you know, the pandemic definitely was, was an obstacle, you know, not playing shows. So, I mean, that kind of becomes part of your identity, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you, you grow up playing in bands and now all of a sudden music's not around in your life and you look back on it and you think, oh man, like that gig that I played in front of just the bands and girlfriends and bar staff and, you know, it was a dead gig and I was grumpy about it the whole time and complaining and uh, you just really realize that you took those moments for granted. And, you know, whether it's 30 people or 30,000, I mean, you got to enjoy yourself or what's the point, you know, just appreciate everything. Um, you know, it's, it's crazy. And like getting in like a headspace where sometimes you feel um, you're only valuable if you're playing with a band and if you're just playing for yourself, like what's the point. But um, that shouldn't be the idea at all. I mean, just really have fun playing by yourself and, uh, expanding your profile and just and listening to different genres and there's so many things you can do playing drums now i mean you don't have to be in a band uh you can just be a hired gun i mean realistically that's my dream is to you know get successful enough playing in different bands and recording sessions and, and build a name for myself and a, and a reputation of being somebody that's easy to work with and fun to be around and i would love to just record music and and collaborate with different artists and, and put drums to the songs i'd love to tour full time um for artists for bands uh, anybody i mean just put yourself out there uh think about different ways yeah. to expand you know from your comfort zone mm-hmm. um but it, it's so easy to draw to the negative right uh and 
your, your head kind of just goes that way sometimes. You get in your own head, and uh, sometimes you have to take a step back and take a deep breath and uh, remember why you did it in the first place. I mean, you got drum lessons for you, right? Because it was something that yeah. uh, got you excited. And at the very end, if you're not having fun, then not, none of the other stuff matters. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, did y'all ever play out in bars? Yeah, you, do you ever play out in bars or anything like that right now? Oh, absolutely. So, you know, a lot of the original bands, like some of the gigs would have the bar in them. And then I took a break from original music for a while just to kind of cleanse the palate, uh, take a deep breath and, and assess what I wanted to do. And um, I was playing with these two brothers, um, Taylor and Connor, and we were in this little cover band. And uh, it was a power trio. We just had a blast. We would just play all these local bars in Philly, Jersey, Delaware, and, you know, nights, you know, break it up into hour-long sets, take a little break in between, and uh, met so many people and, and really got to be social and, and just have a lot of fun. And it was it was a change of pace from, you know, you packed up all your gear, you're packing it into your beater car, you drive into the, you know, the city in Philly, and you play this gig, and you know, you don't make any money because it's original music and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe you sold three, four t-shirts and, but it didn't matter, right? Because yeah. you just wanted to have fun and, and grow, but you, you kind of switch it around a little bit. Now you're playing, you know, other people's music and you have to find a way to keep it exciting, maybe switch up some things, make it your own and, um, just a change of pace. I mean, from going from like myself, like a metal band where the only way you can tell if the, band, if the people in the crowd liked you is if they're moshing and beating the snot out of each other, right? And, uh, <laughs> Now you're playing cover music, you're playing like Billy Jean, you know, and there's people dancing, and it's great, you know, people are pouring shots and drinking, and it's just, just a change of pace, yeah. it, it was just cool, yep. you know, and um, just experiencing that, and, uh, you know, as, as far as kind of tying back into, like, hardship and just, um, you know, kind of taking one on the chin, there's a, a, a wedding company, uh, they, they have wedding bands, they're called EBE in Philly. And they're phenomenal. They have like 10, 15 bands, different sizes, different packages. Uh, they play to like these like different like sequences. Um, and they put together these little like show kits. Like when you're trying to book a wedding and you want to pick your band and your budget. And, you know, they'll take like maybe a minute or two of all these different hit songs in the same key. And it's like a medley of like 30 minutes. It's, it's really impressive. And uh, I wanted to audition for this. I figured, all right, I'm playing bar band music. Like maybe I'll get into weddings. And that could be a cool thing to experience. And, uh, you know, we try out and I'm there and it's a bunch of drummers and we're all sitting there all dressed up and awkward. And Man, you know, I know ba- I know bands that made like $10,000 in a wedding. Like that, they make, yeah, that, that's nothing to make $10,000 in a wedding. It's big money, you know, and it's it's like you're playing like the happiest moment in someone's life, one of the half the milestone moments, you know, and, and you're, you're getting people dancing and, and drinks are pouring and it's it's great. So like I tried mm-hmm. out for this, right? And there's, there's a bunch of drummers and, I, I thought that I was pretty rehearsed, right? I'm listening to the music, I'm practicing, I'm practicing, and we play, and these drummers are just killing it. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm done for, right? Um, so I play the gig, I get through, I fumble a couple things, and you know, the vibes, just the chemistry wasn't there, and you know, it's okay, it happens, you know? And unfortunately, I didn't get the gig, right? So I was like, oh, in my head, I'm all beat up, like, oh man, like I stink, like I didn't get it, I didn't get it. Um, but it was such a learning lesson, right? Because... You know, you have to be prepared. So uh, that, sometimes that's the biggest thing between, like, getting getting a gig or not. Like, yeah, sometimes it's about, the you know, the energy and, and being a good hang. But, you know, also you have to know your stuff. I mean, depending on what you want to do, um, you have to learn a lot of material in a short period of time. Um, it, it just becomes, like, you have to devote yourself to it. So there's that healthy work-life balance, you know. And um, there's some drummers that have, like, a 9-to-5. They have a career. They 
you know, they play drums as more of just a hobby and a passion. And there's other people that are just grinding like those, those tens of thousands of hours into it and, mm-hmm. and want to make it full time. I can't stop. Um, yeah, it's crazy. And that yeah. sets, that sets the bar. I mean, that makes it, you know, the, the difference, you know, to yeah. why are these drummers full time? How are they touring? How are they doing that? I could do that. Well, yeah, you sure you could, but you know, are you devoting as much time as they are to not only practice, but network and, and put yourself out there. So that's right. you know, I commend, I commend all the drummers out there working full time and, and that's what they do, man. That's that's incredible to say. What do you do for a living? You know, I play drums. Yeah. yeah well, I think a lot of people, too, a lot of people like start like a, a Patreon page to kind of help out. Like a lot of bands, there's bands that's making, you know, $10,000 a month on with their Patreons just with that alone, just from like, and they'll have like different things where, you know, on there will have like, you'll have, you know, free passes to the shows and merch and all kinds of stuff like that and you get to see like a lot of behind the scenes stuff you know that everybody else really don't get to see and it's just kind of a real personal little um you know community that kind of follows the band real close you know because everybody has that if you're a band you got that i guarantee it yeah honestly if i could do everything all over again i would have gotten into youtube uh very early on there's so many drummers that i discovered uh, through YouTube and, and now Instagram's like the new you know, thing, but you know, in my time, I'm a nineties baby, you know, it's like YouTube was yeah. the thing, you know? And uh, I think TikTok like, now, man, TikTok is getting, it's getting, I mean, I've noticed the TikTok videos for drumming are getting more, um, oh, absolutely. like well, where they just kind of started here recently, man, a good drum video gets good views on TikTok now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, social media is so cool. I mean, and I was going to ask you about that too, man. I was really going to ask you about that, like your views on social media, man. I mean, what do you think? How important is social media to you? Like, what do you think? Uh, you know, that's tough. I feel like now, like in, in today's you know world, like you know, social media is is everything to most people. I mean, I I'm kind of grounded more so. You know, being born in the early '90s, I saw the progression of all this stuff, and. Uh, you know, to me, I mean, I understand the appeal of the endorphin rush of having, you know, hundreds, thousands of people liking, comment, and sharing on your stuff. But, you know, that that's not everything. I mean, you know, you have to do it for for you and, and what makes you happy, and it's because you want to do it. I mean, th- those things will come in time if that's what you're looking for. Um, but I definitely um, don't attribute like my happiness playing music to you know how many likes and followers and subscribers. That's right. That's being fake. You know, that's kind of being fake a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it's not everything. I mean, you know, there, there's think about your favorite actors and actresses. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't even go on social media because, you know, it can be quite toxic when you start amassing that kind of following. And um, there's a lot of haters out there that are just going to put you down. And yeah. um, you, know, you start you start listening to too many other people's opinions and, and you don't think for yourself and just take a step back and say, you know, what what do I want to do? Like, what, what, what makes me happy? You know, yeah. and that's. It's tough. I mean, you can fall into into that trap sometimes, where uh, you compare yourself to others, and um, you know sometimes you just kind of miss the mark of, of what's truly important to you. That, that's what really matters, man. What, what's going to make you happy? What's going to make you happy? You know, and if if doing that is makes you happy or not, a lot of times for businesses, kind of kind of like with me, you know, we've kind of got to post on. We have to post content. You know, we have to. You know, yeah, for sure. we have a small team where we'll get together and we'll post and get together. But it's even that, you know, and it's hard like you do. And it is kind of nerve wracking, too, because you got so much so many, you know, 
a lot, well, not too much anymore. We really don't have a whole lot of haters that really follow the page like that. I mean, I tell you, our the drumming community is just so amazing. It's just like they're straight, almost like every one of them, man. It's just our teams. You know, that's that that's our team. And um, and if somebody says something bad or negative, man, a lot of times somebody else will just go in there and say something and just boom, you know. Like you don't even got to even defend yourself almost, you know? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've definitely noticed that uh, the drummers seem to be some of the most uh, laid back, just like happy-go-lucky people that I've met. Um, you know, now it's it's like I, I notice based on what I see online um, is just like chasing like sonically like good drum tones and good quality recording, and uh, I see some drummers kind of rag on other drummers on on how their drums sound, and you know, it, it's a journey. I mean, there's going to be times you have to figure out how to position microphones and, and how to EQ a drum and how much reverb is too much reverb in a mix. And, um, just, just do your journey, man. Just live in your lane yeah. and, you know, take, take positives from everybody that you can. And yeah, criticism's good, but you know, know the difference between somebody that's trying to genuinely, um, help you out to, to get better at something versus someone that, you know, just wants to be negative about it and isn't going to do anything, you know, positive and in, in, in their right, you know, to, to help you succeed, you know? Yeah. So, hey, so what do you think about, what do you think about bands? Like, what do they want from drummers? Like, what would you say that a band really wants for, from a drummer? Like, if you're a drummer that's going to be auditioned, you know, what are they looking for? Are they looking for somebody being on time or how they dress or anything like that? Like, what do you think? I mean, I think it all depends on on what the what the opportunity and the gig is. I mean, some bands like you know the the image is everything. You know, other bands they just want you to be on time, well rehearsed, well prepared. You know, good hang. Um, you know, I always tried to pride myself in the first one there, last one to leave, um, kind of mentality for the longest time. And um, you know that that's a tough that's a tough one. Um, but yeah, I mean, because a lot of, a lot of times it, it's a game to somebody. It's a chill. We're just gonna go get together, have a few beers, just kind of get away. You know, I ain't gotta be on time. You know, I can be thirty minutes late, and you know, they're all playing when you get in. You just kind of, kind of, what are y'all doing? You know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it depends on the on the genre of music. I mean, listen, I mean, not all bands and artists and, and genres, everything like. Uh, they don't all call for playing to like a metronome and, and, and being super tight on time. You can be a little looser if you're in a cover band in the bar. And, you know, let's be honest. I mean, by the time you play your last set, everyone's feeling pretty good. So no one's going to notice if you dropped a stick or, uh, you know, you broke a guitar string. Like you're just having a time. You're vibing. You're, you're providing atmosphere and experience and escape for people. Um, so it, it really just depends on what you want to do. Yeah. Have you ever done something and been like, you know what, I should not have totally done that on the drums? Mm. I hate for my... studio (laughs) studio situations. Like, there's times where I've, like, kind of embarrassed myself where, like, you know, there's a moment in time where it didn't call for, like, a a drum fill and, you know, you go out and you start tearing up some crazy drum fills over (laughs) something and you just totally cut off, like, the vocals or, like, just, like, a moment where you could build tension in the song and it's like... Come on, dude. Like, just settle down a little bit. Have you ever had them stop and look at you? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just like, you know. You got to stop and stare. We were just talking about that on the last episode. Like, stop and just stare. Like, what? Like, completely called you out on stage. It's like, oh, my God, that's the worst thing that could possibly happen to a drummer. 
Yeah, I would say that. I would say um, when, when you're in, in like a practice setting, um, you know, drums are loud. So everyone's like, they're tuning their guitars yeah. and, and trying to get everything situated. But you're tuning too, though. You're like, okay, that thing, you want it to sound as good too. That's when I, you know, you, God knows if you hit the drums while somebody's tuning the guitar, you get you get that look. Oh, yeah, the death, the death stare, you know. That, so, um, <laughs> you know, it's it's funny. So, like, just knowing knowing when it's, you know, appropriate to, to kind of start laying into them versus, like, everyone's kind of getting settled in. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, man. I miss jam sessions, dude. We used to have so many jam sessions where um, different drummers and different guys would just come over and we would just kind of change spots, you know. But if you get too many people, like, I've got too many bass players, at one time, and I was thinking, okay, three bass players will definitely be amazing. Yeah, the more the better. Not necessarily. Three bass players is, it turned out to be just a mess. I mean, <laughs> I'm just like, never again will I invite three bass players to a jam session, you know, because I like to kind of get together and get a group together of people and play some music, and we'll just kind of interchange. I'll jump on the bass or guitar, and they'll just, everybody just kind of interchange, you know. I may even sing some, but, but, uh, yeah, that's kind of, it was definitely a bad deal doing that. And especially like when you're drumming and your glasses get hung right behind your drumstick and it flicks them across, you know, and then your light words make a step on them. So it's just like, you can't even hardly play no more. And you know, so it's that mess. Yeah, we all have have those moments. I mean, I remember, uh, you know, sometimes going to lay into the snare drum for a backbeat and you smack your knuckle into the snare drum. Now it's all busted open. And uh, at times you come back and smack yourself in the face with a drumstick. And yeah, uh, just just the the, the scars of uh, of the trade, you know? Yeah, man. Yeah. So um, do y'all's band, y'all don't have a Patreon page? Uh, I don't believe so. I know we have a website. It's uh, dohux.com. Uh, we're on uh, Instagram, Huxley the band, and uh, Facebook. Uh, this is Huxley. Um, so we're starting to grow the social medias, and and now the whole thing is right. Like we haven't played music in over 500 days, like in the in the height of the pandemic, and now we're kind of just getting back out there playing gigs again. And you just had COVID, about, didn't you? Uh, yeah, oh, I did. Yeah, I did. Mike did. Um, you know, so we've all had like a little bit of it, you know, here and there, and. Um, I think I'm coming no, off of it right now, and I, my mom actually has it, and I'm coming off of it, and yeah, so I I, didn't, I don't know I don't know that I got it, but I'm I went to try to get tested around here. There's no test strips nowhere around here, and I'm not gonna go stay in the hospital for you know half a day just to see if I got COVID for them to tell me I got COVID. So I'll just assume that I got it. I guess I don't know, but I've been yeah, vaccinated. You know, I've been vaccinated and boosters same, and all that same. stuff too. So. Yeah, I mean, you can, only, you can only do what you can. I mean, listen, the reality is it's not going anywhere. Yeah. So we just have to get smart with it and adapt and find ways to to be safe about things. I figure I'll get it eventually. Life has to continue. No, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's going to be something that we're going to always deal with, and we'll just find ways to, to get around it. And, you know, listen, it's not going to be what, uh, what takes the, the planet out, you know yeah. what I mean? So we'll just we'll adapt and overcome like we always have. But yeah so so listen do you do anything about what do you think about endorsements um they're cool but they're not everything you know i mean listen i mean an endorsement a lot of people have in their mind that it's a free ride and it's just not the case i mean listen if you're if you're getting millions and millions of followers and plays and shares and you're touring with everybody and sure i mean maybe it's 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 pretty uh you know good as far as like an 80 to 100 percent off your gear but 
the reality is you play these brands because you love them, right? So yeah. why wouldn't you want to support those yeah. you know, those brands and see them thrive? I mean, listen, they're all businesses. They're all you know trying to make money like everybody else. They yeah. hire a staff. There's payroll. There's you know medical benefits. And you know a lot of people lose sight of that kind of stuff where it's like, well, no, I want a free symbol. And it's like, well, you know, think about the guy that made that symbol. Yeah. You know, think about the guy that sold that symbol. Um, yeah. You know, everyone's got to, to, to survive and you're not going to survive unless you have support and uh, you just have to kind of you know, swallow your pride a little bit. I mean, you know, sure. I mean, I, I have like endorsements, I guess, you know, between like I play SJC and I play outlaw drums, I play soul tone cymbals. Um, you know, and, and, and you, you get a little... And I've always thought of it like this, too. I've always thought of you as an endorsed guy anyhow because I feel like, you know, you all the time are sharing our stuff. You're tagging us. We're resharing it, too, on our page. We've kind of got a thing going, and that's kind of... And I, and I feel like that's kind of what it is. You know, this is this business here, man, you just really can't afford to give free stuff away, and there's not enough... Um, there's not enough money in the whole thing to just be able to just give free stuff away. And that's what I'm feeling. Um, a lot of the pressure and stuff like that, it, you know, it's just, I mean, you want folks to be able to play your stuff and the good ones, they want you to give you one for free. And, you know, we was just like, you know, we never, we don't give stuff away for free. We don't, we got some really good drummers, professional drummers playing our stuff that they still buy, you know, you know, the guys yeah, over I mean, at one Republic, you know, they buy their snares, they buy their snares, you know, and, and I like when the guy, you know, wants a discount on a snare drum because he got a, a few, you know, they play at a few bars, you know, because people are going to see it, you know, I'm just like, if we did that to everybody, we would totally never even we would make nothing, you know, if it, cause that's the whole deal about having a snare drum, you know, you're going to play it, but you know, there's just in, you know, sonar drum company. I mean, they do the same thing. They don't give stuff away. They don't, they don't, they're guys. They don't, you can't, you just can't, man. It'll put you out of business, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and listen, it's, it's, it's a benefit for the, the player and, and for the company. I mean, you're, you're repping the, the company every day that you play it. I mean, at the end of almost every gig I play, you know, people compliment the sound of the snare because that, that stave snare drum, just it's a cannon, you know? So you hear all these uh, other drums in the industry, and then you, you hear a stave drum, and you're just, wow, what's that? You know, it's, it's twice as loud, it's warm, it's it's got body, and now you have a conversation about it. And uh, yeah, that's the big thing I don't think people realize, too. I mean, especially with, with outlaw drums is just, yeah, they can be expensive, but, I mean, you have to see how they're made. You have to see, you know sonically what they're doing i mean there's value there so um you know if, if you're looking for more affordable gear i mean you might have to outsource to a more mainstream company um that has you know beginning kits like poplar shells and, and super thin shells and as you begin to play and save and work yourself up and if it's something that you want to do and, and you're chasing sonically you're chasing a, a better quality sound then you start kind of making these investments because that's what they are i mean you're investing in this gear and it's supposed to last for life, so. Exactly, man. You, you love it enough to put your that you're gonna play it and put your stamp of approval on it. You, you know, regardless of what everybody else thinks, and that's kind of what I feel like too, man. If you love a product enough, man, I sure do appreciate you, man. You're amazing, dude. You're, you know, definitely, you know, and I've always thought that, you know. Um, but you know, and I feel like that's kind of a, that's huge because I feel like when you love a product, a brand. You have a tendency to want to stick to that brand and want to be lo loyal to that, you know, because you know that that brand's going to be there for you. And, you know, it's definitely, um, you know, it's one of a kind, 
right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, man, that's kind of that's exactly what I feel, man. That's again, that's exactly what I feel. You like Rocky, man. You're you're going, you're you're full sledge, man, and yeah, you're not gonna I mean, stop. You know, long list of bad beats, you know. You, you do it wrong, and, and you learn, and you fix, and you try, and uh, you just have to keep on keeping on. And you know, all I could ever hope for is to just have the opportunity to, to work with people and and uh, you just grow as an artist and a musician. And you know, the dream is to eventually do this full time someday in some capacity. And uh, you know, that that's my goal. You know, moving forward this year is to just play. You know, more Huxley shows and uh, get out there and record some more and, and, and just try to expand my vocabulary and, and just see what happens. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I agree, dude. That's exactly right, man. Man, you are amazing, Bill. Thank you so much for being on the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mike. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, brother. Take care. See ya. Yep, see ya. Just want to say thank you for another episode of the Outlaw Process. I'm, I apologize. Uh, I, was, I was sick in this episode here when I was filming. Um, my voice was kind of messed up. I'm apologizing um, in advance for that. But, you know, just want to say thank you so much again. And I'm getting ready to play uh, this song here. Um, it's called uh, Hate Me by Luxie. And uh, you're going to hear Bill play the drums on this on this song here. Um, but yeah, I'm going to end it with that. But until next time, guys, I love you. Thank you so much again. And keep drumming.
goal here is to educate, motivate, and to inspire. As always, uh, thank you so much again for watching this, uh, listening to this episode.